Welcome to the Crush Your Mountain Podcast, where we discuss health, wellness, and personal growth. I'm your host, Henry Clayton Gaffney, a certified health and life coach dealing with weight loss, type 2 diabetes reversal, and healthy lifestyles. It's time to take charge of your health. This is the Crush Your Mountain Hey, before we begin, please note that I am a certified health and life coach who helps people lose weight, lower their glucose, and reverse type 2 diabetes. That said, please note that I am not a doctor and the information on this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any serious condition. Should you wish to address a serious condition, please find and contact your functional medicine or allopathic doctor. This information is a tool that can be used as a way of partnering with your doctor of choice and exploring treatments and modalities that may enhance your health and well-being. Hello and welcome to an incredible discussion here on Crush Your Mountain Personal Growth. You know, loneliness is a universal human emotion, one that can significantly impact most people and impacts our mental health, our well-being, our overall quality of life. Now, while loneliness affects both men and women, there's a silent epidemic, and that's why we're going to talk about today because loneliness affects men disproportionately. It often leads to tragic outcomes, suicides, or attempted suicides. So we're gonna do a deep dive into this discussion on loneliness, and uh, maybe we can shed some light on it to get things underway, to shed light and to find some solutions. I've had the pleasure of encountering one of the premier individuals in this field of coaching, Mr. Russell Creed. He's the founder of Invictus Life Coaching, and we're going to address this issue. Let me just tell you a little about it. I'll tell you why I love the title Invictus, okay, because that's the title of a poem that I learned at an early age. My mom used to quote that poem to me, the idea of being unconquerable, being the master of your fate, the captain of your soul. As the founder of Invictus Life Coaching, Russell helps high achieving men get unstuck, refocused and fired up to write their next chapter. Through targeted one-on-one coaching, inspired group programs, life-changing adventure retreats, he empowers men to create an unconquerable mindset and live a life of purpose. Now, Russell has successfully held positions as chief innovation officer, chief actuary, and chief underwriter for a major insurance company. Despite the success, he knows the pain of not living up to your true potential. It was only when he was sidelined by a life-threatening illness that he found his true passion and his purpose came into view. While it shook him to his very core, his miraculous healing journey shifted his perspective of what's possible for us as men. Knowing that so many successful men were struggling with stagnation in their personal life and their professional lives, Russell became a certified David Bayer coach. David Bayer coaching is one of the Fortune 500's fastest 
growing coaching companies. And he built a program that helps men take control of their destiny. Through a mix of neuroscience, cognitive mind work, and spirituality, he helps men to reach new levels of confidence, drive, and authenticity. As a result, they become better professionals, better leaders, better spouses, fathers, and friends. And we are so thrilled to have this incredible gentleman with us today to talk about this very serious issue. Russell Creed, welcome to Crush Your Mountain Personal Growth. Henry, thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be with you today and to have this discussion and engage uh, in the conversation. I appreciate the warm welcome and uh, the acknowledgement and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to today. Well, you know, it's amazing. Um, when we first talked, when we first met, I mentioned to you that um, that that you had this sage appearance, almost like almost like Gandalf, you know. And you know, I was so happy to have you here because you have this experience and you have this understanding. So I'm going to ask just straight off that: Why is it that men deal with loneliness in the way that we do? Yeah. I, I'm glad you referenced uh, Lord of the Rings and Gandalf. I actually sat down and watched that movie yesterday because it's one of my favorite uh, favorite stories. Um, and there's a lot in that story. Uh, we can talk for hours about that. But loneliness, why do men suffer for, with so much loneliness in the Western societies? And it is an epidemic. It's something that um, isn't talked a lot about. Uh, men suffer in silence. And that is part of uh, the social programming that we've we've uh, been subject to in terms of going at it alone, having this mentality that we have to do things on our own. Um, and uh, that really contributes to this concept of of loneliness and and promote and fostering that within men. Uh, there's a lot of pressure that we feel being uh, those that are providers and a lot of and. And um, just having to go it alone is a big element of what drives this loneliness. Wow. So when thinking in terms of what drives them, okay, because you often see, I was just at, um, at a uh, restaurant the other day, my wife and I were having dinner, but you see this group of men that's in there, they're talking, they're laughing, they're drinking, you know, and, 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 and they seem to be having fun. But it occurred to me that out of that group of men, chances are at least one of them somewhere along the line will wind up committing suicide. So yeah. why is it that there seems to be this camaraderie of brothers and yet there are these suicides, these sufferings, these, this depression that lingers? Yeah, well, Henry, I would, I would, um... In my experience, there isn't always that camaraderie. Like finding that these days is a challenge, particularly with uh, with men who um, no longer have that opportunity to create that brotherhood. They're off working all day long. You know, this industrial society has separated us to where we're in cubicles and offices, and we aren't working side by side with others like we used to. And so this tribal aspect of what uh, used to be a man culture has has been eroded, particularly in America and in the UK and, and these Western societies. So 
Yes, there are some instances where you're going to find that that um, element where men do gather and they have fun and they're laughing and so forth. Um, but I think that's all too rare these days and that it takes a lot of intention and effort to make that happen. And even when it does happen, uh, to take it to that next level to where men are really connecting beyond just the weather and the sports and the jokes and, you know, having a drink, um, that takes courage and it takes a, a willingness to go to another layer uh, that most men are not equipped with these days or feel comfortable doing. What role do fathers or even the lack of that, of fathers play in dealing with that sort of situation or creating yeah. that situation? Yeah, I think, I think that's a big element, right? If we think about a um, hundred years ago, how did men work together? Well, a lot of times we were in this agricultural society where men worked side by side in the field. You would go out, you'd help your neighbor. Um, the, the boys would come alongside men and do it as well. And so there was this mentorship that occurred on a day by day basis um, as we were all working together and they got to observe and see and and you had that um, that daily interaction, which doesn't really it's it's not as prominent these days again when when fathers go off uh and they're in a cubicle or they're somewhere else all day long and the and the boys don't have that opportunity to see how you interact or or um, how those relationships are created uh you know there's that void that gets created and <clears throat> you just don't have that opportunity to work together uh like we used to now you know, there are plenty of fathers out there that are involved and engaged with their children, right? And that's important. And that those that do um, engage, there's a much more successful, um, you know, their, their kids are going to be more successful in creating that. But when the father's absent and there isn't that role model, uh, that makes it even that much harder. Oftentimes, um, a, a father or a, or, um, a mother, but... Generally, we're talking about men, so fathers can oftentimes be absent in spirit. Yeah. There's a, yes. there's a, there's a, an emotional disconnect, especially when it comes to the teenage years. You know, um, right. you know, what challenges now have you dealt with that on a on practice <laughs> in bringing the boys and men together for the sake of of that connection, or or how does that work for you? You know, Henry, um, I grew up without a father, so I understand what that pain is like and, and not having that connection um, and always being uh, raised by women. And, you know, that that's the that becomes the model. And a many men who fall in that that practice or in that raised that way fall into this pattern of being the good little boy, um, which ends up becoming a, a people-pleasing kind of attitude. And so while I don't work specifically with men and boys, uh, and I haven't created programs for them yet, although that's on my radar, what I do find a lot is that there's a lot of men that are struggling with that, what we call the nice guy syndrome, that people-pleasing syndrome. And so they're always, um, they're, they're not living in alignment with their purpose. They're not living in alignment with um, understanding who they are and what they want, 
what they're being driven by is this deep need to please others and to be seen as this good little boy that still that still kind of dominates the psyche right um and so that's from growing up in that in that um environment where um where mothers are raising kids on their own and unless they're cognizant of that and unless they're helping boys uh, get out of that mindset it's uh, pretty common so that's what i see a lot of is this whole nice guy syndrome um, people pleasing mentality that a lot of boys have uh, and men have. Uh, and I was one of those, right? I grew up without a father. I was surrounded by women who raised me. Uh, many of my early jobs when I was a teenager, usually a, a woman was my boss and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to, to denigrate that. You know, we need women to stand up and be in places of leadership throughout our, our culture um, and I think that's on the rise, which is fantastic. And there's an element <clears throat> um, of nurturing uh, that's part of that relationship a lot of times, which is fantastic for a mother, but it's not the best thing for, for boys and for fa fathers, right? The need to learn that independence, lean, need to learn about who they are and what their purpose is in the world and to live into that. No, that's so very true. Now, okay, my I have a great company that promotes women. I love my boss and uh, and and uh, my boss of bosses, you know. And we, I, I personally call that the matriarchy, but it's it, it is, and it's incredible because they have such so many amazing insights into bringing things forward, bringing people forward, uh, bringing the the, uh, the team together. You know, but on the level of men and dealing in in the in the growth of men, okay, then we are talking about men needing to understand the standard of man, the standard of manhood, and you know, oftentimes I feel that that's lost uh, in American society as a whole, but uh, mm -hmm. just in the various subcultures. You know, when you think about every culture on the planet at one time had rites of passage that allowed for the adolescent or the pre-adolescent to move into the state where he is now considered a man in the community and therefore is given responsibilities, given insights. Maybe now are, uh, the wisdom of the man is imparted. And I right. find that that's lost in society. And, yeah. it's, and perhaps in a lot of ways, one can argue that it can be problematic because some of that insight might be against the other, you see? Those are our enemies. But oftentimes, really, if there's a unity of, of, of a people, then one can say that to, uh, one can, can impart the standard of manhood in terms of acceptance of your brother, regardless yeah. of uh, of the of the hue, regardless of the tone, regardless mm -hmm. of the uh, of the of, of the perspective and origin, you accept them as brothers and men. You see, but I find that missing. Yeah, that is. Would you say that that's a good, a, a fair description of the way society is? It is today. Yeah, I would agree with you that there is that is lacking, um, and. Uh, um, it has an impact, has an impact on society, 
uh, has the impact of of men growing up still thinking they're they're you know acting much like boys, um, and how they how they approach life, <clears throat> and uh, as you point out, I think it does create that separation uh, that exists in our society. Like one of the things that I feel is one of the the biggest problems that we have in our society today is this idea that we're separate. Um, and a lot of our culture, you know, individualism and that lone wolf mentality is sort of idolized here in America, right? Um, but this idea that we're separate and apart is one of the things that I think leads to loneliness, right? Because we always think we're separate and apart and we miss the idea that we are actually part of a community that we are part of a brotherhood, uh, not just in our local community, but in the of the world, and our brothers and and sisters throughout the world that we are all connected in some way. Um, and there's a there's a level of connectedness that many of us don't even perceive or understand. <laughs> I I think about I think about uh, remember that old movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. Yeah. And George Bailey, who got the main protagonist there, was in this this state where. Um, he felt like life was um, useless, that he wasn't doing anything. He was all alone. And, you know, he was in this place of suffering from loneliness um, and felt like uh, that he made a huge mistake and was ready to end it all. Well, thankfully, uh, an angel was sent to save him. And Clarence, the angel, helped him see the impact he had on life. Because a lot of times we can't see that, right? That's our story. Many of us, that's our story. It's like we go through life, we don't realize the impact that we have and how connected we really are to everyone around us. And we end up with this false idea that we're alone, that we're, that, uh, you know, no one, that we're not connected to anyone. Uh, that And that leads us down this path of thinking that we're all alone. And that leads to those feelings of loneliness and desperation and lack of hope, which ends up in that place that, you know, where men are willing to, to check out. Either they're checked out emotionally, checked out, um, or they're checking out for real, you know, physically. And that's the danger. And I think a lot of it stems back to this idea that we are separate and apart. So it's really, we aren't. Yeah, that's so very true. And you consider the fact that, you know, this idea that men oftentimes wind up lacking purpose and then lacking connection. And those two things, lacking purpose, lacking connection, makes you question whether yeah. you matter. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you uh, brought up uh, uh, Invictus. Uh, the name does come from the poem, and it was a poem that inspired me, uh, especially when I was in this place of, of very uh, darkness after while I was drug, struggling with the illness that I had. Um, and I felt like there wasn't much hope. I felt like uh, there were a lot of things that were out of my control. And that poem was inspiring to remind me that I was the master of my fate. I got to decide how I dealt with the things in my life um, and how I got to show up 
and be the captain of my soul. Uh, the author of that poem was dealing with severe illness at the time. Sir William Ernest Henley. Yes, Sir William Ernest Henley uh, was uh, struggling um, with some very serious illness and, and life-threatening when he wrote that poem. And it was a reminder to himself that no matter what's going on around us, that he had the choice uh, to how he wanted to act in the midst of all that storm that was around him. It's amazing that we, years ago, um, the memorization and recitation of poetry was part of uh, schooling, actually, but it's yeah. also part of of family life. Uh, you know, the, the the poems that were that that were written and recited by by wrote like by Homer and others, even in even in in, in the Arabic communities, Islamic communities. Uh, you had these master storytellers who recited poems and, and spoke truth in that way. Um, all of those things really serve to galvanize the male psyche, to, to, yeah. to elevate us as men and give us perspective as well as connection. Tell us, that kind of really brings me to the concept of the hero's journey in male life, in, in the male perspective, male existence. Uh, talk to us, please, about number one, the hero's journey and how you bring that into helping men deal with modern life. <laughs> well, part of the, the hero's journey, right, is man goes through a crisis um, and he finds uh, a mentor. Uh, usually Gandalf or Yoda or someone of that nature who helps uh, guide them to that next level. And I like to pretend that I'm that guy. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, the mentor. Um, and where I like uh, where I feel like I help men get to that next level and, and uh, with the challenge that they're facing. And a lot of times for the men I, I work with uh, that challenge is they've, they've been, down the road of success, as society tells us. Go to school, get a good job, uh, do all the right things, and you'll end up happy and fulfilled. That's the story that we've been told, right? And so we go down that journey and we get to a place where we've been successful as defined by society. Uh, we have that the job that we were striving for, and maybe it's not quite as glamorous or fulfilling as we thought. Um, you know, we have the family and all the the trappings of life, and and maybe those aren't working out like we thought they would. And so we're in this place where we're feeling unfulfilled, um, recognizing that what was sold to us is not really <laughs> not really working out mm -hmm. like it was, right? And so maybe we become um, jaded or, you know, thinking life that things never work out or, or whatever it is, the story that we come up with. Um, and what I really work with men to, to realize is that they are the ones in control, that they are the masters of their fate. They get to decide how uh, they want to show up in the world. And so what we, we talk about how to live in what I call a powerful state. So I guide men to living in a powerful state on a consistent basis. And what does that look like? Well, when we're in a powerful state, 
um, we're in this place where we're happy, we're relaxed, we're 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 content with the world. We we're, we're we're grateful for what's going on, and from that place of ease and flow, uh, we are can tap into inspiration. We can tap into our resources. We can tap into our intelligence and our creativity in a much greater way that allows us to create the life we want. Uh, and it's all an inside battle. It's an inside battle. And as you learn the tools to master the inside battle the outside world transforms. Uh, yeah. I was thinking very much of, of one particular hero, as you mentioned that, because when it comes to that hero's journey, uh, it's always a battle within that's manifested from without, you know, say, so the, what, for some reason what came to my mind was the, um, the, the legend of Beowulf, if you remember Beowulf, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so here he is, he's got to deal with, with Grendel. But I always wonder, is really the battle that Beowulf is dealing with, is the Grendel that he's dealing with someone within mm -hmm. that's manifesting? Yeah. Okay. It seems that this particular country goes to, suddenly deals with a bunch of, of monsters. First <laughs> it's Grendel, then it's Grendel's mother, then it's the fire drake. And all the while, Beowulf is there. Yeah. So the real, the reality is that we are the ones that are fighting our own monsters. The monsters right. really come from within. You're so right. At what and, point do we help them to realize that? Yeah. And the those monsters, when it comes to loneliness, right, are those ideas that we're all alone, uh, that there's no one to help us that we're disconnected. We start to believe these things. We think these things and, and they become the monster. And they manifest themselves. They create themselves into this place where we act in a way that keeps us lonely, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times, um, one, of the, one of the challenges that I know that a lot of men face is simply to speak up and reach out. Right? When we're feeling that sense of loneliness, um, the key, one of the easy, the first way out is to, to reach out and connect with someone, to talk, right? And when we're in that space where we think that there's nobody we can turn to, guess what? <laughs> when we think about who can I turn to, who comes up? Nobody. That's the way we've we've designed the monster to to fight. And we have to get past the idea that there's nobody there so that we can really see who is there um, for us. And maybe that's a parent. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. There's very few people go through life without connecting with anybody. Uh, you have to go through great effort to actually be alone in this world. <laughs> <laughs> given the size and the population and people in together um, to be truly isolated alone, you have to, to go uh, a far distance. <laughs> right. That's true. But wouldn't you say though, that there is still um, a level of caution that one has to exercise because there's the machismo that is out there that you know, one can run into that does not want to confront the reality of men 
being lonely. Mm-hmm. We're, we're solitary beings. This is the way we should be. Uh, you know, just so you know, hey, just suck it up. This is what you do. This is how you deal with it. You know, you're not alone. You you you're just by yourself, whatever that means. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and yes. and that's and so you wind up dealing with individuals like that, or or the connection becomes more superficial, mm-hmm. and that's and, and which which adds to a greater problem. That, that too can be a challenge for a lot of men I've run into. Yeah. Yes. Um, it takes courage, right? To step up and, and to say, uh, to reach out to others. And at the core of it, to overcome that, you have to become comfortable with who you are in yourself. And a lot of men are not comfortable with that. They still... Uh, are struggling with things like I'm not good enough um, or I, I'm not going to be liked. I'm going to be rejected. And yes, rejection is real and it doesn't feel good. Especially when you think uh, and you bought into this idea that you're not good enough or nobody's going to like me or, or whatever. And so we keep going back to the same places for that, that affirmation, that confirmation that is not healthy for us. And so sometimes it takes adjusting and re, re um, establishing yourself with a different peer group, with different people, so that you have that connection and finding others that are willing to have that conversation with you. It's not always easy <laughs> and, and it's certainly possible. And there are plenty of people out there, uh, plenty of other guys who are serious about making connections to having that conversation, willing to step into the place of discomfort and um, stand side by side with, with you. One of the things that I uh, am working with with many of my clients is bringing them together and bringing their sons along and mm-hmm. creating the idea of the rite of passage, creating mm-hmm. the idea of the quest and we do the father's quest and the father's quest is the father and son are given a, a specific task to achieve and to travel to a certain destination and to do it together. Now we're doing it, we do it slowly. It's something easy because a lot of these guys are urban guys. So they're not going out in the wilderness anytime soon. But the next step, the next level is to bring them to the point where they can hike across mm. the forest and it would come out on the other side working together and dealing with the adversities along the way yeah and, and learning to work together and 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 the father learning and sometimes depending upon the relationship that's happening uh, sometimes you know i would have to go with them just sort of say okay dad take a step back let's look at him and, and understand where he is son take a look back Okay, take a step back. Understand that dad didn't have what you're getting now. Yeah. And he's working on this too. So yeah. bringing them back together. You know, that's so important that um, that rite of passage into manhood is, is reestablished. What are your thoughts on that? And, and then do you do something similar? Um, I, I love what you're doing with that and, and the work you're doing there. Uh, I uh, do feel like that, that that's so important and I did not have that growing up as we already talked about 
um, when I became a father, and I'm a father of five, I have three boys myself, and <clears throat> it was scary. I had no idea what to do. I didn't have a father around. My my father uh, that I felt was raising me was a Mr. Brady from the Brady Bunch. Wow. I was one of those latchkey kids who, uh, you know, mom worked two to three jobs just to keep us fed. And um, so I didn't really have that, that, that uh, role model around. And nor when I became a father, was there anyone who really helped me? How did I learn it? Well, I read a lot of books, probably not the best way to figure out how to be a father. And I made lots of mistakes. I've made a whole lot of mistakes. Um, but I think one of the things that was really good, and you know, I read about this rites of passage idea and the concept. Um, I had a, a great relationship with my kids in terms because we found things to do together. And I thought an important part as my role as father was to come into their lives, not to make them come into mine. And so um, I would find the thing that my my kids were good at or enjoyed and engage in that with them. Um, and that was how I would build bridges and build that relationship with them. And when there was a time for me to do things that required um, other skills, I would have them do it along with me. So for example, working on the car. Uh, now, I didn't have a father who taught me how to, to change the oil or change the tires or um, to, to swap out tie rods and all these sort of things. Uh, I had, I learned that and taught my kids when it needed to be done, they did it with me. And my oldest, uh, one of my older sons, um, like he now is like an expert <laughs> making all this and takes care of his own cars and, and, and replaces everything. Both of them, my older sons do, um, which is quite amazing because it wasn't ever anything that they were talented at, but it's having that ownership is what helps them feel like they're um, they're in control. That they're that's part of that rite of passage. I, my youngest right now is fourteen, and he's very much involved in the scouting organization, which I think does a great job of helping create these scenarios and and will be a leader in that organization. He's actually helping. Um, be a counselor for the National Youth Leadership Program this summer. At 14, he's a leader amongst his peers. How'd that happen? It happened from being involved with him and making sure he had these opportunities and saw and were mentored from other great men. Uh, and it's not just about, it's not just about me. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's making it all happen, uh, but I am helping orchestrate part of that so that they have this immersion and they see other men who are leaders and they have that mentorship from beyond just me but others uh and i can see that it's made a difference for them you know so <laughs> you talk about those individual rites of passages and i think those are extremely powerful and um it doesn't have to necessarily just be one thing right it what does it mean for your kid for your son how does he uh get to a place where he feels like he owns his life that he's in control of his life and that he is making decisions that impact himself and others. And he's doing it in a positive way. Now you run a number of retreats uh, and, and events. You know, um, we just recently 
Um, we had scheduled one, but unfortunately we had some illness happen and a couple of things happened. So we had to make some, we had to postpone it, but we're actually putting together um, a greater um, event that's gonna take place here in Raleigh first. And um, next year, the goal is to actually have a, um, an actual forest bathing event, a uh, mm. retreat event in, um, in Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains. And that's gonna involve um, also one of, our, one, one of my former guests who's a great friend of mine, Dr. Candace Stanick. She's um, coming down, she's gonna be coming over from BC and um, it's, it's gonna be an amazing thing. But tell us about your retreat um, how you involve the men in there, or do you have men and their sons, or is it just men there specifically? And they, uh, and 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 um, what goes on in those places? Oh. Yeah, let me tell you about some of those things. So I, I run a couple of different types of events. Uh, one is focused on just in our, our local community, going on hikes, which is very similar to your forest bathing concept, where we get out and. And we hike together shoulder by shoulder. Um, what I'm really creating there, though, is, is a space for men to gather, to recognize that they're not alone, uh, to have some conversations and to find connection and to find find brotherhood amongst others in their own community. And so when we have these events, um, we always we do have a process that we go through in terms of checking in, making sure that we're we're. Um, opening up and connecting with each other. And usually I feed them with some sort of uh, topic to discuss. So I help prime the, prime the conversation. And maybe that's a conversation around gratitude. Maybe it's a conversation around uh, where they're wanting to go in life. Maybe it's a conversation around some of the challenges they're facing. Whatever it is, um, when we hit the trail, though, uh, usually men pair up because you can't really go wide the trails are pretty narrow and it creates an opportunity for you to speak one-on-one -on -one with someone and, and share some things and what can feel like a vulnerable way but it's it, for some being in the forest and being in community makes it feel safer and so men open up and then the other thing i do is i take men on weekend retreats so we go to we go backpacking in the ozark mountains and so it's really a time to get away from everything else that's going on um, to step out of the day-to-day -day and have a chance to unwind um, and decompress. And we create sacred moments around the fire pit and something special about a fire. A fire is a cleansing, <laughs> you know, it has cleansing power. And so when men sit around the fire and they don't have to look at each other face-to-face -face or eye-to-eye, -eye, which can be very challenging, right? If you're... Um, then there's a willingness to open up. As we stare into the fire, men will reveal what's really going on. And so we create that sacred space uh, to share. And I think one of the key things that always comes out of this uh, conversation is this recognition that they're not alone. The things that they're struggling with, um, everyone else is, you know, there's someone else struggling with it too. A lot of times, all of us are struggling with it in some capacity or another, right? Whether it's a relationship, whether it's something at work, whether it's uh, dealing with kids, um, whatever it is, there's always this commonality. But we think we're doing it all on our own. We think we're all alone in, in whatever is going on. And see, that's 
that's where that that illusion that monster comes in right that we talk about is so if we can get past that and recognize that i'm not alone there's power in that like oh this is what's supposed to be happening um i'm not alone he's figuring it out i can figure it out maybe we can figure it out together right and so um and then just the the challenge of making it to the top of a mountain again creates that that task that we're all working towards that helps bring us together so no one gets left behind and no one um, is all alone. We're doing this together and it helps build that community. So this is what I'm really focused on is, is helping um, create some community, a feeling of togetherness, recognizing that we're not alone. And that's what these retreats are, are about. And nature is the catalyst. When you get in nature, magic happens. Right. We we uh, we have some bodily reactions like we just feel more at ease. Our blood pressure goes down. Our heart rate settles out. Right. All these magical things happen. And and um, when we can do that together in community, then then we create space for brotherhood to to develop. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a saying that I have. And it, it, it and it's an interesting saying. I always say, better to be the lone wolf at the top of the hill than the crab in the bucket. <laughs> and you know, there's truth in that. But people don't realize that when you have the wolf on the top of the hill, and you listen out there in the woods, you first you hear that lone wolf howling. Mm. But before long, you hear this chorus of wolves howling together. Yeah. So you're not really alone and you're yeah. showing you the moment. You see, yeah. it's a matter of finding your pack, as it were. Yes. And being there. I want to um, can I can I comment on the lone wolf for a moment? Go ahead. Wolf wolf. Wolf wolf. Because I love I love that uh, analogy. Because when you study it and you look at the lone wolf, because there are lone wolves in the wolf pack, right? Wolves that become ostracized and alone. Uh, as a lone wolf, the lone wolf only hunts rabbits, um, uh, weasels, all the small things, the small game. They don't have what it takes to play the big game. That only happens when you're in a pack. Just the pack is required to take out the elk, to take out the moose, to take out the thing that really feeds the community. So to play the big game and the big game of life, it does require a tribe. It requires a pack. You can't do it alone. If you're trying to do it alone, you're playing the small game, right? And um, you're right. When you when you think that that someone's all alone and they're doing it all alone, and if they're they're killing it, they're crushing it. I guarantee they've got a pack that's helping them yeah. make it. Oh yes, absolutely. And that's the idea. So you know. You yourself, you 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 uh, helped run companies, uh, some some very large companies, and you work with a number of different individuals. You've come through your own challenges yourself, and you've used that just as so many of us have. We always come from that place into this career of of coaching others um, from from our own personal struggles. So I will ask you this last question as we round things out, Russell Creed. What does it mean to you to crush your mountain? Yeah. For me to crush my mountain uh, really requires three things for me. 
Um, one is a resilient mindset, recognizing that everything is an inside battle. And if I can master what's going on in my mind and my emotions, um, then I create the life I want around me. The second thing that's really important for me is making sure that I'm living a life of intentionality, that I'm living on purpose, that I'm connected to that purpose, uh, whatever that is. And for me, it's really about helping others grow and become better in what they do so that they can live a life they love. As the, When I can align my actions with that purpose, I'm crushing it. And the third element of that is making sure that I surround myself with others. We talked about the tribe element, right? We don't do it alone. As long as I stay in community and recognize that I'm doing things in a tribe as a as part of uh, our society, as part of my local community, part of my family, I'm always part of, uh, that's helping me crush it. So it's those three things, the resilient mindset, the living powerfully, and, and being in community. No matter what I'm doing else, otherwise, I'm crushing it. Excellent point. Being resilient, being powerful, being part of something larger than yourself, all those things are vital towards moving forward. And you know something, I'll tell you another thing too, you know, uh, ironically, I've always been a bit of a loner. Ironically, I've always been a bit of a, an introvert. I'm naturally so. And yet, I guess I've been defined as an extroverted introvert because I can connect and I often do connect. I love dealing with people, especially one-on-one. -on -one. For some reason, um, I have always had a greater connection with various uh, diverse cultures as opposed to, uh, you know, just the just the one, you know. But that's helped me out in a lot of ways because I, I, I engage individuals. I know the individuals. But yeah. it's so important that we take that and we can move forward not just as the one singular person but as the group of people the amalgamation of a unit and yeah. move forward like that and you have the vision in my mind of that school of fish or that in immense flock of birds that fly and they all fly in unison and this, they seem like this one great iridescent mass in the sky or in the sea. Essentially, that's the individual connecting with others. Yes, it's a great illustration. Yeah. And so I really wanna thank you so very much for taking the time, Russell, to come and, and uh, hang out here and <laughs> helping us to do learn, learn more about men dealing with their loneliness. And I'll tell you this, gentlemen, if in fact you are dealing with something, okay, and you feel that there's no one else there, the bottom line is that there is always someone there. The bottom line is that you can find someone to touch base with to reach out and connect with. The last resort, your last resort is not to end it. Your last resort should be at least step out and find a place of meeting where individuals are there. But why not reach out even to a stranger? Why not make someone feel important and that energy can come back to you.
you know. So we want to thank you again, Russell, for being with us. And um, where can we find you, by the way? Yeah, thanks for asking, Henry. It's been a pleasure to be here with you and to share some insights and thoughts. Uh, there's a number of places you can get a hold of me. You can connect with me on my website through uh, theinvictuslife.com, or you can find me on the social medias. I'm at Russell Creed uh, on Facebook and Instagram or on LinkedIn. Any of those platforms are a great place to connect. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, we're going to reach out and um, we're going to see if we can uh, maybe develop some events together as well going forward. And uh, we'll definitely trust in your your um, your uh, wildlife survival skills that you've developed to uh, take us into the woods and uh, get us out safely. And But in the meantime, friends, we're just going to invite you again to think deeply about the men in your life, young ladies, and the gentlemen understand that no matter where you are, you are amongst brothers. And like I always say at the end of the show, don't just climb your mountain, crush through it. We'll see you next time. Thanks again, Russell. Hey, thanks again for listening to Crush Your Mountain. Remember, we deal with issues of health, wellness, and personal growth. Our goal is to service the global community with helpful, intriguing, and encouraging information so that you can live your best life. If you enjoy this content and would like to support its continued development, here's what you can do. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps to elevate our profile so that we can serve more listeners globally. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Henry Gaskins, Crush Your Mountain, where you'll watch the video version of the show and even get access to vintage episodes. Be sure to like, comment on the ones that most appeal to you, and tap the little bell to notify you of the latest shows. Join my Facebook group, where you'll catch behind-the-scenes versions of each episode before publishing. Lastly, if you'd like to support in losing weight, building muscle, or reversing type 2 diabetes, feel free to schedule some time with me at henrygaskinscoach.com. That's henrygaskinscoach.com. Thanks again, and remember, don't just climb your mountain, crush through it.